Here oh. we go Ooh. again. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode mm-hmm. of the Knee on Belly podcast. We are your hosts, Nate, Brandon, John, and boys. Today, we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC Orlando, which was headlined by Kevin Holland versus Steven Wonderboy Thompson. What a fight. Man. What a fight. Can't wait to talk about that one. Then we will get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC 282, which will crown a new light heavyweight champion as Jan Blachowicz will take on Magomed Ankalaev. Then all the news and happenings in the world of mixed martial arts. But first, the boys. Uh uh How are we doing on episode 110 of the Knee on Belly podcast? Good. How are you doing over there? Pretty good. It was a late one. Yeah. It was not. I wasn't it was ready. a late card. And I was saying they're all finishes. I didn't think. I was like, oh, it might get done a little earlier than I thought. And it was still like one thirty. Yeah. Uh-huh. For somebody that needs that I needing to like I was just telling you guys needing to flip my sleep this week. It was kind of perfect for me. Yeah. yeah. But like at the same time, it's like, gosh, if I didn't have to stay, like I was staying up. I was going long regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I didn't, but if I didn't have to, I would have been pretty annoyed. It was yeah. a late card, especially for a fight night, but it delivered. It was yeah. a great fight. Which. Yeah. In, in most circumstances, I'd be like, okay, this doesn't make sense. But I also know college football is going crazy right now at the mm-hmm. end with these championship games, so they probably are taking up those yeah. 7 to 10 type of windows. I didn't even think about that. I went to Cirque du Soleil last night in Indy, and I was like... You converted? Are you, are no. You go? But it was so packed, so packed down there, yeah. downtown Indy, and I'm like... This is crazy. Like, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, there's no way this is for this thing. Like, you know what I mean? And then, like, as a Purdue fan, completely forget that the Big Ten National Championship was in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil. Yeah. Which then made me sad because then I remember, because I literally, I swear, like, completely mentally blocked it out when I realized I wasn't going to get to watch the game mm-hmm. because I was going to be at Cirque du Soleil. But we bought these tickets back in July. Right. Back in July, I did not think Purdue was going to make it to the Big Ten <laughs> Championship game. Or I probably would have planned that one a little bit different. But it's not like I was rooting against him last week to lose to yeah. IU. I would never do that. Yeah, but That's the game you can't. <laughs> but I'm not going to act like I was like really thrilled that I was going to miss a national championship game. in, Or not national, but a Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis. So that hurt a little. But we were at this restaurant. We were at uh, that Dave's Hot Chicken and some guy. There was a bunch of Michigan guys in there. And I'm just like, yep. Yeah. They're like, we got to go to the game, man. We got to get going. We're going to be late. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, Ash, you ready to head over to the theater? <laughs> do you want to uh, get dessert? <laughs> yeah. You ready to go to the theater for this circus? <laughs> How did you like the circus? It was all right. I don't want to talk about it. Here's the thing. Well, I will say this. It was fun. But like, like, have you guys ever been to like a really old theater? So it was at the uh, old National Center. People in Indiana mm-hmm. know what that is. Old theaters are like show you the evolution of human beings because yeah. the seats are not big. Like my knees were literally like in my chest <laughs> and we had like a rail and I was like trying to get a picture. Um, I was trying to get a picture to show you guys, but I couldn't do it in a weird way. So it was me, Ash, and then a lady next to Ash. And this lady was bigger than me, taller than me, heavier than me, mm. like literally I mean, it was crazy. Mm. She really, her whole body really wasn't even in the seat. One point, Ash got up to go to the bathroom, like, before the show started, and me and this lady's knees were, like, less than a foot apart. And I'm like, Ash has to fit in. (laughs) Like, that was her space. It was not good. But, like, not even just the width, man. Just, like, even, like, this. And then the seats don't, like, 
recline Let's at all. So it's like a theater style seat, but you're just like this the whole time. It, it's miserable. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan. No, no. So that, it just made for a tough, tough night. But boys, we have no time to waste. No. We have so much to get to. Um, before we actually get into the card, though, uh, UFC Orlando, do want to mention right off the top, we are going to, and we're happy to announce this, that we are going to be a part of the Gaha Open number dose mm-hmm. on January 15th here in Kokomo, Indiana. Um, people that don't know, the Gaha Open um, is, how would you explain it, Brandon? Uh, like the t- the style of matchups? Yeah, it's like, it's our very own Jacob Herlock's uh, creation. Yeah, it's I mean, baby. It's, a, it's a cross between sort of high school wrestling, go, point, yeah. point scoring, and then Oh, as far as teams, because it's a team base, so you have an individual person for each weight right. class. And I think it's, what, 12 weight classes he does? Yeah, I think so. And mm-hmm. uh, pits the two teams together, and then so every match matters on an individual basis, but then it's, it's jujitsu, so yeah. it's fun, exciting submissions, and uh, just kind of a little crossbreed of the two. I the, love it. The point system is interesting, too. Getting finishes is can really change around a, a situation, so you could be down a couple matches and yes. turn it around. Yeah. So, yeah, so we were a part of the first one. You can go to our YouTube, um, Neon Belly Podcast, and watch it. Uh, we did, like, a little watch-along. We're going to be doing that again here January 15th. If you are in the area, though, don't watch our YouTube. Just come. Yeah. Like, be a part of it. Watch it. And then if you are a jiu-jitsu competitor and would like to compete, please uh, reach out to Jacob Herlock. You can reach out to us as well. We can put you in contact with him if you want to be a part of it. But... Um, the team versus team is set. We have American top team Indianapolis versus Bulldog fight team. Um, so those are set, but we are looking for uh, competitors for there's two eight-man blue, be- blue belt brackets. Both of those will be uh, awarded $500 cash prize to the winner. Um, I believe it's plus 185 and minus 185. Mm-hmm. Um, could be wrong about that, but we can, like I said, we can get you that information. If you're interested in, a, if you're a blue belt and you're interested, let us know. Also, if you are just a competitor, white belt, blue, purple, whatever, and you just want to match a super fight, let us know, get a hold of Jacob, and he will uh, try to get you matched up with somebody. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun one. We're excited, but we just wanted to mention that. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again um, and talking more, um, maybe even talk to... Um, no, nah, we won't talk to Jacob. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Brandon, rate, sub, follow. Let them know before we get into this card. Yep. Every week, guys, we ask you to do this. We need our numbers to grow. We need it to reach out through the world to let people know what we're doing. So please, um, the biggest um, helpful is you can give us five stars on Apple Review. You can leave a review. Um, type one out, and we'll actually read it on the pod. We'll shout you out with it. Um, you can also follow us on Spotify. You can leave us five stars on there as well. And then we're also on um, YouTube, like you said. Um, not so much Twitter anymore. TikTok. And we've got some videos through there. So you can give us a follow on all those social media platforms on Neon Belly Podcasts. Boys, UFC <coughs> Orlando from the Amway Center. Home of the Backstreet Boys, mm-hmm. to be exact. Tell me why. Steven Wonderboy Thompson defeating Kevin Holland via fourth round TKO. Uh, boys, we said coming into this match last week that the matchmaking for this was just next level. Mm-hmm. And it delivered with a fantastic fight. I mean, right from the first round, both guys having big moments. Um, I felt like Kevin Holland, though, landing the bigger shot there, uh, which how Wonderboy recovered from that at 39 years old just speaks to where he's at mm-hmm. in his career and still has so much more left to go. Um, but if we're handing out awards today for toughness, I think even Wonderboy would be okay with that going to Kevin Holland Ooh. in this fight. Uh, 
because really after round two, it was all Wonder Boy mm-hmm. um, with Kevin Holland just eating some massive kicks. I mean, straight heel, shin, and foot to the dome. And, and the I, ju- I just don't think I've, I, I, I mean, I know we've seen people eat some shit, right? Like we've right. seen guys take, the, but like, you have to consider like, but kicks like that over and over to the head. And like, I mean, like really not even stumbling them. And then you have to consider who's kicking him, right? Mm-hmm. Steven Wonderboy Thompson, who's probably the best kicker in the he UFC. A little, little jacked. He was a little yeah. bigger. Yeah. But, um, but like I said, I mean, it just, um, as great as fight as it was. And in the end, you know, it was a fantastic striking performance by Wonderboy Thompson. I just really think Kevin Holland deserves credit for mm-hmm. it ending up the way this fight, you know, the way that it did, because he stuck to his word, um, of not going to the mat, which I don't think we've ever seen a lot of never. fighter. I mean, we've seen fighters say that, but never a fighter that's taken it that literal no. and made it a point to where like literally landed on top of Wonderboy twice, um, in rounds one and two and. And uh, got back up immediately, and even despite pleas from his corner to make this an MMA fight, we've got to like yeah. if you get on top, stay on top because they knew he could fit, and they even said you can finish him there. Yeah. Um, but then after the third round, it was pretty apparent that Holland had a serious injury to his hand. He instantly was looking at it, shaking it out, heading to the corner, um, but continuing his toughness, answered the bell in the fourth, and that was just by far Wonder Boy's best round um, mm-hmm. with Holland just kind of taking a beating. That was target practice. Oh yeah, I mean Holland was literally stationed almost against the cage not moving much just like john said perfect analogy target pack practice wonder boy you could tell was just like i'm gonna try this yeah but then thankfully between the fourth and fifth his coach bob cook stopped the fight which was 100 the right call and credit to him for doing that um because we've seen a lot of instances where that should have happened and it doesn't so credit to uh, bob cook there for stopping the fight and, and letting holland because there was no need for holland to go out and take another round of a beating like that mm-hmm. um but just your guys's thoughts on a big comeback win uh for steven wonderboy thompson so I thought it was a great performance by Thompson. It's always fun to watch him do what he does best, which is strike like that, man. Because like you said, I think he has the best, at least the best kicks. Um, and Sorry, I just dropped my phone. Um, in the UFC. But I, I just couldn't help but thinking at the end of that fight that Holland might just kick himself a little bit just for sticking to his word so like he did. Literal, yeah. Because I, just, I think that that was definitely a winnable fight for him, especially if it was an MMA fight. Um, and I, yeah. I, I I like the, the sticking to his word. I like that respect there. But that's a winnable fight yeah. against a top-ranked guy. So that I, I just can't help but feel like he's going to kind of kick himself for that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it is interesting because after his corner started really begging Kevin Holland by the fit or by that fourth, he was like, he tried to shoot a couple because it's yeah. like, I don't have anything left. And even uh, Wonder Boy said in the post yeah, fight, like, I saw that. he told him, like, hey, man, sorry, I got to do what I got to do because, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's flailing here. He did say, I did see that Holland said he broke his hand in the first. Mm-hmm. He threw a right cross. And so from then, he's eating these head kicks with a broken hand. Yeah, he said it was the one that stumbled Wonder Boy. Yeah. So, you, so not only did you break it, but you've ate some of the hardest Ooh. head kicks right to that hand yeah um and still stood up to it yeah. um i, I thought mean, even surviving like how many times do we see guys take kicks to the liver or body and they crumble and it's over mm-hmm. and kevin holland just refused to go down and mm-hmm. stay down well, from that and it's like they always say like when those happen you just can't help it like you just you're kind of done i mean there and then there was the kind of weird instance where um was uh the ref stepped in and it kind of thought he was waving the fight off but mm-hmm. apparently there was like a groin shot um 
honestly, at that point, I feel like the fight could have just been stopped, yeah. to be honest. Like, even though the growing shot, I guess, kind of was, wasn't there. It looked a little close, but it was just kind of like the fight at that point was pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I think that was towards the end of the fourth round. So For me, the most impressive part for uh, Wonder Boy I mean, the kicks were great, but the way he was using those straight punches, especially yeah. that left, it's what he does to man. get in every time Holland would look like he was going to jump to kick or move in, he would throw that piston. And I mean, the fact that Holland was eating those because straight punches are what put people out more than yeah, not, you know they're they're the hardest punch, and um, he ate those yeah, really well. But so much, man, yeah. so many big shots. It's just crazy. And I mean, I thought that, um, you know, with Wonder Boy, not just, I mean, obviously he was landing a lot of head kicks, but moving to the legs and body to keep trying to yeah. break him down and keep trying things. Um, and to see Wonder Boy get dog kind of drug out of him instead of like being outside and being pretty, he was getting in there and throwing punches. Um, he was blitzing him. Like you really seen a, a refreshing Wonder Boy in this fight. And that's what I really enjoyed. I, I just still don't think who you name in the welterweight division if your goal is to stand in front of wonder boy for five rounds nine times out of ten he will beat you yeah and he is going to be anyone who comes in with that game plan you know i mean like we we joke and say you know not a joke but you know anthony pettis is the only guy to stand with him and and knock him out Mm -hmm. um and even that took like a flash of like insanity right with the whole the way that that happened i mean Mm -hmm. not like insanity but it was just beautiful technique from from pettis so it's not to say that people aren't capable but i just genuinely think um and i don't think this is an overreaction sitting here today that he's just the best striker in the division he doesn't even have to set up those head kicks and he's still landing them that's that's, crazy they're so fast that's what i said last week the way he throws them it's it you can't even see him coming like he just whips him man like just wow and that's even with the the reach and stuff that's what i was saying like he uses his feet almost like hands to where it's like reach and stuff's not a big thing for him you know Mm -hmm. once he gets that timing and distance and the longer you're standing in front of him and he's reading and making those reads like he's gonna figure it out do you feel like this was this fight like exposed a little bit of holland like and i wonder boy is obviously a totally different level but it almost was it almost surprised me how how much how many levels above Wonderboy seemed to be in, in Holland just in terms of the striking? Because yeah. Holland's been talking this whole time about wanting a striker because he sees himself as a striker. Yeah. And he just looked so much. I don't think it exposed him because he did have good moments early. I mean, and, and he clearly mm-hmm. carries some serious power. That's where that comes from to me was yeah. the power. But yeah. it didn't seem like he was doing a big, a great job of setting up his punches. And maybe that's, you know, against Wonderboy, that's a really tough yeah, ask, I think right? Yeah, pe- I mean, people more. just don't hit him because you have to get past the leg. And then the way he moves, he never stops moving. Yeah. Um, and I think I do think for Holland he is unorthodox too. Mm. Um, and with the problem with that is when Wonder Boy's not going to break his technique and do you know wild stuff against yeah. you. He's going to stay to the book. I mean, he's been doing this his whole life, right? So I think that's an element to it too. But yeah, yeah I thought Holland definitely did have some good moments, especially um, he set up some good punches. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I just think if you're not going to use the ground especially early on because once you get later it's going to get a lot harder to take him down you're sweaty you don't have as much energy so not utilizing that you're putting yourself in a very very bad position against a wonder boy he said he's back ready for more um i just still don't get the vibe that he wants a grappler he i don't think he wants to deal with that problem um but um if you look at 170 pounds right especially at the top and everybody now that's ranked above him a lot of them are great grapplers outside of the champion themselves or himself but so I don't know, like, what do you guys as, as we enter this next phase of Wonder Boy's career, I guess, like, what do you see his ceiling as? Because, like I said, he just to me just 
seems like he wants nothing to do. I mean, he kind of, I don't know if it's like a mental scar a little bit, but he, the way he openly talks about not wanting to fight grapplers <laughs> and how miserable those last two fights were for him. It's like, it just doesn't seem like it, but it's like, if you want to compete at this weight class or if being a champion is still his goal, which I do believe it is mm-hmm. at some point, it's like, unless you're getting a crack at the champ Leon Edwards right now, like you're going to have to fight a grappler. I don't know that he has a, I don't see him getting to the belt, honestly, at this point in his career. Like, I think, I think the best move for Thompson is to get fights with guys who, because I think Thompson's still a draw. I think people love to come watch him. And I think especially if he puts on fights like he did last night mm-hmm. against, you know, Holland, that, that was f- absolutely fun to watch, yeah. but I don't see how with him being as outspoken as he is about facing a grappler, he's going to make any run at a title. Because yeah. even, even like you said, Edwards isn't that good of a grappler. He took down Usman and held his back and entire round yeah like if if he wants to grapple thompson he would you know what i mean right i just don't see any way around that and and like you know it is it is interesting because like just for fun like i don't think the ufc will do this but like i do think with like if a guy like wonder boy came to the ufc and was like look i know i just got this new contract this and that but like i just want one more fight and i'm done why not do I would love if they just could find a way to do like a Stefan Bonner John Jones thing where like hey he's on his way out he's been great for us like let's just give him a crack at the champ like you know they did it for it, Dane Henderson too yeah it would just be kind of fun because I'm telling like the idea of like Wonderboy and Leon would yeah. be really a fun fight to think about that matchup yeah. I, I don't think that'll ever yeah. happen but it would be interesting I do wonder if he's earned that type of respect from them or if he did come to him like this is kind of it, you know. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I'm looking up and like I don't really want to fight these guys. But if you could give me this shot, I'll walk away tomorrow. You yeah, know? Leon. I, know. I think Leon is the only guy um, in the top five. Yeah, oh, that yeah. Striking it's, wise, could do anything. And with like him. Brandon said, I mean, Leon has grappling capabilities, mm-hmm. and Leon is at a point in his career where wins very much matter, and he is not going to play the Kevin Holland game. No. Of, I'm going to let you up if I get you down. No. So yeah, and I mean, with having lost to Burns and Bilal already. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen with those top three guys. Maybe he becomes the gatekeeper into the top five where as guys are coming up, he's just facing them. But under that, you still have a lot of guys that do have like a Shavkat and some of these other guys that are really good wrestlers as well. So there's yeah. not a lot of great matchups. I don't know. Maybe I think Masvidal too makes the most sense. But Wonderboy yeah. has long said uh, Masvidal like will never fight him again. He's like, I know. He's like that. Like he's like, He's always said something from that fight, like he just got the vibe that Masvidal knows that he'll never be on Wonder Boy's level. And and one Wonder Boy does have really good takedown defense. It's just once he's down, it's not a good look for him. So mm-hmm. um, there might be that aspect of it. Boy, I'm battling the sun with this camera right now. It's <laughs> You're not about to go- knock over some. Holy cow, it's not there. good. Um, but another potential opponent in my book uh, that could work for. Um, Wonderboy Thompson is Rafael Dos Anjos making his return to 170 pounds, defeating Brian Barberina via second round rear naked choke, boys. Mm-hmm. The wrestling from RDA just way too much for old Bar- uh, Brian Barberina. Um, RDA wanting no parts of a firefight uh, mm-hmm. came straight out from the first minute, basically took uh, down and controlled Barbarina at will um, over the next round and a half, all while passing Frankie Edgar for the most fight time in the UFC history. Um, he became the first UFC fighter to pass eight hours 
of fight time in the organization. Um, and I very much got the vibe at the end that he made sure that he passed that time and kind of extended the fight out because he was very much aware of it in his post-fight interview at the end, like kind of almost like he was aiming for it. Like he knew the time mark that he needed to get to or something. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't blame him. No problem there, you know, especially against a guy maybe like Barbarina. If you've got that feel early, like, oh, I can, I'm pretty comfortable here. Um, and and I'll, I guess we'll start with this because I, um, I do want your guys's. Um, thoughts on the fight but there's there's not much to comment on it because it was just pretty dominant i think you guys would mm -hmm. all three agree with the wrestling um but i'm not saying this in a mean or negative way by any means but i think what i saw from rda last night is he still has aspirations to fight at the top and i'd be interested to ask him but i bet in his mind he still has title hopes as well mm -hmm. um you know at this late stage of his career you know he isn't in the mindset of a barbarina a robbie lawler or like a matt brown where it seems like more about having fun fights. I'm just going to try to win as much bonuses, mm -hmm. get money, try to, you know, grow my brand a little bit, get some fans. You know, I still think the win very much matters to him at this point in his career. Um, he doesn't care about the excitement or what you think about the fight. He just wants the win um, because he knows that a win leads to bigger fights, which right. I think is what RDA still wants. I think mm -hmm. he still wants to compete at the top of the division. So your guys' kind of thoughts on that, and then uh, we can get to his call-out, you know, at the end. Mm -hmm. um, but just thoughts on the fight and where you think he might be also in his career, kind of similar to Wonderboy. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um <sighs> It does make a lot of sense, too, when you say, like, he's not looking to make any exciting uh, things happen in his fights, right? He goes in, he gets the job done, he does what he does best. Right. Um, so it does make sense to me that I think he wants those big fights and still wants to kind of move up the ladder. Right. Um, I, but it's interesting. I don't I don't really know what that looks like for him. Like, when guys start moving weight classes like that, that's where it gets a little fuzzy for me. Yeah. Because um, it... I don't know. With a win like that, I think it puts him in a good spot to potentially. And like you said, we'll get to the call out. But um, it, I, I just wonder: can he perform at that upper echelon of 170? Like against a guy like Brian Barbera, that's one thing. But then yeah. you look at the top of 170. Is that, does he look at that and think, "Yeah, I can, I can really do something here"? I don't know. I guess I'm not convinced of that yet. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think he wants to be in this. Um, you know, kind of what Matt Brown and. Robbie Lawler were for Brian of like a, a legend to get on somebody's resume. I do think he feels like he still has that, yeah. you know, I'm still, you know, I still feel good. Right. And he does have, you know, 60 some odd fights all that time in the, yeah. in the cage. Um, and I do think that he's going to run into size problems too. Cause I think that he had a little bit of trouble holding Barbarina down at first. Um, yeah, but I thought he looked good. You know, man. he did look he good. Thick. I just don't know if <laughs> when you talk about the, the X factor for him was his wrestling there. But I see like, I feel like that part of RDA's game and that's where like I almost, and like, that's why I said, I don't mean it in a negative or a mean way, but I almost feel like a guy like RDA is, he's really evolved his game more into this wrestling heavy approach we've seen from his last, you know, couple. And it's like, I feel like that's the smart thing to do, though. But, mm -hmm. like, I don't think you would make that kind of change to your game if you didn't you, – I mean, everybody, even Barbarina, Lawler, Matt Brown, they still want to win. Don't I'm not saying right. that or insinuating that. But at the end of the day, I get the vibe that if those guys walk away from a loss but it was an exciting, fun fight where they got an extra 50K – like th yeah. they're good <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like this is what i still do it for because you know the title's not really mm -hmm. in their sights but a guy like rda like 
no, he wants win. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, interesting because he does have fights against the top of 170. He's yeah. fought Usman. He's fought, you know, Leon. Kiesa. Um, Kiesa, Covington, and he's lost to all of them. Yeah. And a lot of them, they all outgrappled him. Right. So, it, it, I mean, it is interesting. I do I do agree that I don't think he's in here for, yeah. you know, even um, just like fighting for money per se. Not that he doesn't want money fights because obviously with the call out, that's probably in his mind. But Yeah, so we'll move right into that. Called out Conor McGregor. Um, that fight was obviously supposed to happen a few years ago. Um and, and while I think, and I've said many times, that there's really not a bad fight for Connor's return. I mean, there's probably six or seven guys you could throw out where I'd be like, sure, yeah, makes sense, fun. Um, I say, why not throw out the red panty night? You know, we need a return on that, right? Mm-hmm. That That's kind of like a viral moment that... Um, has lived in uh, MMA and the, the Red Painting Night has become its own thing. And it, the genesis of that was he was saying that to RDA, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of started that whole thing. So let's pay it off. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying like, yeah, that's the one, you know, but it's just like, yeah, you could throw that in the circle or, you know, the ring too. Like mm-hmm. um, that very much... I think would make a ton of sense for Connor. It would make a ton of sense for RDA. I mean, it makes sense for both guys. It's just whether the UFC wants it. But I do seriously also think that RDA and Wonderboy Thompson is a fantastic fight as well. Mm-hmm. It's just with with RDA being a more wrestler and heavy, like I said, approach now, it's like I just don't know if Wonderboy would take it. But right. as much as he'd probably – because he's always said like he would love the Masvidal rematch, but he said, I know Masvidal will never fight me again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – if we're talking about just throwing stuff out there, Wonder Boy and Connor, yeah, I don't. That know. would be a striking. To me, I, I mean, that'd be just as good as this fight we just watched. I feel like, as far as yeah. on a term of striking for striking, the NMF versus the BMF to me just sells itself. Yeah, though. I mean, yeah, like I, I mean, it just it just sells itself. And, and, and I mean, Masvidal has been because he shot down the idea of fighting was it Chandler? Yeah, because it's not going to get him closer to the title because he still seems to have aspirations for it. But that's it. what I'm saying. But Wonder Boy's right there. What do you do with Masvidal if you, if he's not going to fight Connor? Right? Like, I mean, right. then you know what? I mean, I just I don't know. You know, Nate Diaz is gone now. Well get to him in the news a little bit but it's like if you're not putting Masvidal in these big super fights like you're not gonna throw him in against a, mm-hmm. a, a big contender you know I don't, I I don't like know he's I still holding out for like Kamaru not to be able to fight Leon so he could get his little I don't know his little get back which if that happens uh, who I mean nothing's off the table at that point but very interesting for the welterweight division with RDA making his return for sure yeah no, that was I was just agreeing. Oh, okay. I can't see. I've had to move know, so just, much from the sun. I can literally. <laughs> Brandon looks like uh, the neighbor from Home Improvement. Well, Al. No, what was what was the neighbor's name? Um, Mr. Wilson. Yeah, Mr. Right? Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. So. I think so. Something like that. That's what Brandon looks like to me right now. Boys, Mateus. Um, who? Excuse me, Mateus Nicolau defeating Matt Schnell via second round TKO. Uh, Nicolau drops Snell with a big left hook in the first, um, but then kind of let Snell off the hook a little bit, allowed him mm-hmm. back up on his feet, and ultimately it got him out of the first round. Um, then early in the second round, he drops Snell again, this time with a straight left hand, and boy, that left hand was every time uh, Mateus threw that left hand, it was landing big for him. Um, the whole fight had to be something he knew coming in that mm-hmm. uh, he could get over on Snell. Um, moments later, though, after he drops him, uh, with that, uh, or then he follows it up, excuse me, Snell gets back up, and then he drops him with a big right hand, uh, finishes it with some nice ground and pound, extending his win streak to six straight. Um, and I really genuinely think, boys, that we have a new flyweight contender. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting um, not to say that um, Mateus was 
left the UFC under the similar circumstances as Brandon Moreno, but I do think it's interesting that um, he left the UFC, came back, and since has gone on this, mm-hmm. um, you know, three, four, four, you know, fight win streak. Um, but, you know, he'd only lost one fight when he left the UFC originally. But I'm telling you, man, we just talk about it a lot. Sometimes you just get out, you get two, three fights in another promotion, come style. back. Yeah, it's a, it could just be massive, and I feel like here we're seeing it pay off again. Yeah, he's supposed to be the grappler, and he comes out and he has these – um, amazing shots and I've I haven't watched a lot of his fights that I can remember but even like his strategy of just frustrating people by circling and staying away from them so they make a mistake and then he's just every time there was even a slight mistake he was just right there with that left super quick super solid um and then he does have the ground acumen as well he just didn't need to use it in this fight right which was really surprising I was expecting more of that to play out in this fight especially with match and I that's probably why he kind of let him off the hook in that first because you know he's obviously got those yeah. triangles he likes to throw up but anytime I watch 25ers fight man every single time I just think to myself these guys are the most mm-hmm. talented division yeah. there is like just they're always very well rounded they're ne- there never seems to be a glaring hole in anybody's game you're watching um, them fast forward yeah and they're yeah. just so fast every single time so it was, it was a great fight Nicolau said he has no fights left on his contract so he is technically a free agent said he like you know he said let's see what the UFC wants to pay him um, but he, I mean, what a way to fight out your contract, bet on yourself. He holds all the chips now. Mm-hmm. My big, I, and I hope they pay him because I yeah. genuinely think he's a player and they need him in this division, mm-hmm. um, because they're going to need a little bit of parody injected to it after this whole Moreno Figueredo thing, you know, works itself out. We need some fresh matchups mm-hmm. and he needs to be a part of that. The only thing that worries me sometimes is like, you look at the Shane Burgos situation where, they let him walk, and then instantly Dana's like, I don't know why we let him walk. Like, I just think mm-hmm. they're just dealing with so many people at once. Um, I think Nicolau deserves a little bit. I think they'll get a little bit more of their respect just because I think, you know, there's a difference where Shane Burgess is just a fun fighter. It's not like he was a fighter, too, potentially away from a title shot. That's where I think Mateus is right yeah. there. So hopefully they can work it out. I think they will. Um, you know, being a smaller guy, obviously doesn't leave a ton of options, maybe one, but mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they work it out because I, I think he makes this division better. And yeah, he makes the top five him. of that just look crazy with mm-hmm. him, Perez, Royval, Kaikara, Pantoja, Moreno. I mean, you can't get a much better top five in a division than those guys. Boys, sometimes there's fights where the walk to the ring for both men is longer than the fight itself. Are you ready? Because Sergey Pavlovich defeats Tai Tui Vasa via first round knockout. Boys, if Power had a last name, it would be Pavlovich. I mean, that probably needs to be his fight nickname, Power Pavlovich. Takes just 54 seconds in what was just a wildfire fight uh, to end Tui Vasa's night. That now makes five straight wins with five straight first-round finishes for Pavlovich. Um, And on a night where the UFC honored the late, great Anthony Rubble Johnson, I feel it may have found its new scariest power puncher as well. Um, But your guys' thoughts and what do you think the ceiling is? Thoughts on the fight and then your Mm. thoughts on, I mean, I guess, you know, there's, what do you say? about the fight right <laughs> but uh thoughts on the ceiling though for pavlovich man i, I think it's uh, the only time i've seen anything like this is the champ in ganu where it's just like this guy can put out anybody and everybody and he kind of doesn't care about what happens to him because he knows all he has to do is touch you once because you did see him get you know a little open and two of us missed a couple shots while he was trying to recover but 
man, the fact that he can just touch anybody and put them yeah. out. I mean, I think the argument could be that he's just a little bit of like a one-trick pony, but when that one trick sends guys to the upside down um, and at yeah. heavyweight, I don't think that matters too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely, you know, guys uh, ranked higher, you know, a little higher with wrestling backgrounds, but what do you think about that? Well, I was going to ask, so does he not have any grappling accolades? So I think they said last night he has a Greco background, mm-hmm. I want to say, um, but... I mean, his only career loss was to Alistair Overeem, and Reem knocked him out in the first round. What so. I do think is interesting is DC, because he had trained at AKA with DC before, mm-hmm. and DC, I, was, I wasn't reading too much into it, but he basically said no matter how he looked, he always showed up. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe he did struggle with like a DC sure. wrestling on him and some oh, of the I'm other sure. guys. Yeah, I mean most would. Yeah, right? but I mean d- to do that younger in your career, there's not a lot of DCs left in right. like a heavyweight. Even the guys who can wrestle aren't at that level per se. Yeah. So that's interesting for him, I guess. Okay. He yeah. came in ranked number five. Ty was number four. So assuming they will trade places um, in the rankings, which I think is pretty much a guarantee, um, he's only going to have three men standing between him and the champ, and they are Stipe, Curtis Blades, and Surreal Gone. All three of those guys, looking at those names, do have grappling credentials, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, or what you would say, like, Stipe with the wrestling, Curtis Blades, obviously, with the wrestling, Surreal, you know, somewhat of has a good ground game, we could say, but... So I guess that would be, like I said, that's the only argument is when you maybe look up the rankings a bit, but golly, just like the the, the idea of him and Francis, both guys, as massive as they are, plus 80-inch reaches, <laughs> power in both hands. Like, it just, yeah. like I, I don't know. It just It's crazy, man. And, and I just do not – but even with the wrestling, like a guy like Pavlovich, I just don't think – I would be shocked if he ever has a fight that goes out of the first round. Just the way he fights. Really? I mean, yeah, because he I is just, reckless too. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like he just kind of like I'm not. I don't think he has any intentions of ever leaving round one. Like I just, I don't know. It, it's well, so the way fun. he's built. You gotta wonder what he looks like after round oh, one. Like yeah. that lactic acid it starts to build. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he is massive. I mean, yeah, he's, he's just a, a big tank. dude. And I imagine John Jones is looking at that like, man, if I get past Francis, I gotta fight this guy. Yeah, like it. it you know, that's. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just gonna say like that just adds. You know, because you do have like there's some interesting matchups like. I do think that gone and like a Tom Aspinall being quick and good footwork sure. might be able to get away from some of those big punches. Well, I just, but man, because we've seen gone do it against like a Derek yeah. Lewis and some of the like Ty, like some other power punchers. But I think with Sergey having that reach and the way he <laughs> just goes crazy. at people, he's like a tank. Yeah, man. you just can't exchange with him. I mean, he, seeing him fight Derek Lewis now, Ty Tuivasa, like both guys, same similar chins just, and power. Yeah, you just cannot get in that exchange. You have yeah. to. You have to approach the fight so different with You him. think if he fights Nganu and Ganu just going to walk him down like everyone else, or you no, think he's taking a step I think back? He would, I, I think he takes a step back. I think he might even wrestle like yeah. he did in the Surreal fight. I mean, and because like looking at all those guys that are now just standing between him and a title shot is like, I do feel like all three of those would approach a fight completely different than what a tied to Avasa Derek mm-hmm. Lewis is I, I mean I'm not a game plan guy at all but like I would assume it would look a little <laughs> different than just I'm just gonna go out there and just exchange with him you know I'm sure there would be some you know letting him work trying to wear him out head movement mm-hmm. footwork looking for your shots get yeah. him against the cage you know trying to get inside but 
And you might see Stipe just announce his retirement because it's, <laughs> it's like because Curtis Blades is looking at possibly fighting Jones, yeah. and then Gon's probably waiting out in the wind. So it's probably like so. My options are John Jones and this guy. Nah, maybe not. I'll yeah. just stay in Ohio and live yeah. it out. He's fun, man. I'll never miss a Pavlovich fight. That is for sure, boys. Roman Dolice defeating Jack Hermanson via second round TKO. <laughs> Dolice utilizes some fantastic jujitsu in this fight, um, and all. Ultimately, the finishing sequence, which led to that funky calf slicer position, um, left Hermanson with nowhere to go, and Delize makes it four wins in a row. Uh, Delize unranked coming into this fight and beating the number eight guy will definitely see his name enter the top 15. Called out Hamzat Shimaev. That's probably a bit too sweet right now, mm-hmm. but um, I appreciate the call out. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate it, but boys, just your thoughts on that finishing seat. Cause like we've never seen that position. Um, we've all been in calf slicers. So, you know, you're dealing with that on top of this guy's just punching you. you. You see something really similar to it actually in folk style wrestling. It's called a, like a leg Turk. Sometimes guys will put the leg up like that okay. and then they'll kind of sit on top of it. Not usually with their own leg, like Figure in that calf slicer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But usually just kind of resting on top of it. Um, but that's the only thing it made me think of because that is very folk style. Yeah. But how many people are willing to go to the ground and jujitsu yeah. uh, land with, with Hermanson like that and then yeah. show mm-hmm. him up like that? Cause before the, the position he had, he actually had a beautiful sweep. Right like it was like a pendulum well. sweep or yeah. something. Like just you don't see strong. those in MMA. Yeah. Like. yeah. So no, he, that was, that was fun, man. He brings something really different to that division and it'll be exciting to see what he can do. Well, and how many times have we seen a guy like Hermanson take guys and hold them down, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So just the, the guard work there just exactly. And against a guy like Hermanson, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. And for Hermanson, this is the third fight from the same camp. So he has the Strickland fight. He fights Curtis, Chris, Chris and then Curtis, now Chris yeah. Curtis is in his camp. So you're it's probably funny. thinking like, "Oh, I know what I'm going to get from here." No, yeah, uh, this might be the new meta. We might be doing this at, on at <laughs> Jujitsu next time. Where, <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to start get guys in the calf slicer oh, MMA dude, guys. Yeah, you get somebody like, belly down and just calf slice. Because I was telling Ugh. you, it's like the how the um, crucifix was for like a Roy Nelson, where it's like, is he hitting you enough to knock you out? No, but you can't get out there's of nothing it. Nothing you can do about and it. There's, yeah. there's literally nothing that Hermanson could have done. Yeah. Hermanson looked great on his feet. Yeah, I thought he was using his leg kick and his punches really well mm-hmm. he looked like he was a number eight against an unranked guy until it got to that exchange on the ground and it just usually just usually that's not the conversation for a man right? right it's usually the other yeah. way around so that's fascinating just another wrinkle into the middleweight division now you got this guy you know you have like a bow yeah. nickel hamzat wants to come up like there's some there's some oh, interesting nickel. things happen in the middle of the division and last fight boys that we're gonna preview phil row defeating nico price via third round tko um i thought this was a really impressive striking performance uh from phil Rowe here even mixing in the jujitsu which we all knew he was probably gonna have his advantages there mm-hmm. um did miss weight coming into it which is uh you know a bit unfortunate for this uh but don't foresee that being a future form or a, a problem for him in the future i mean so uh but yeah just a really good performance here from phil rogan rebounded early i mean nico price threw almost 300 strikes yeah. nico's a dog yeah <laughs> he just keeps coming uh, and i didn't know if he was gonna be able to get him out of there yeah but i think phil Rowe, he has such a a good skill set with his ground game and on top of that kind of real long rangey yeah. striking that I think he uh, he's a good matchup for a lot of guys. If he can work his way up, I would love to see like him in like a Wonder Boy and stuff because mm-hmm. he has really good funky long striking that I think would be interesting. Boys, before we move on, any other results? Because I'll be honest, I walked in the door when Pavlovich and Tuivasa were walking out. Um, so these other ones I had to walk, go back and watch, but I just 
couldn't did not have time to physically go back and watch the entire card. So anything else that I missed, I saw Darren Elkins. That fight looked like absolute just carnage. Yeah, uh, Pierce I think, said he choked on his blood. Like yeah. He got, <laughs> oh my gosh, I've only seen like pictures of it, and I mean the aftermath looks. I insane. watched. This was the first time I was able to watch the entire prelim that I got to see the entire main card. So nice. I watched every single fight. Um. Yeah, the Dar- we need to not probably let Darren Elkins fight anymore. <laughs> Dude, from the pictures I saw, <laughs> I totally get that. And I, that was like, it was just kind of a short little elbow, and it was just oh, all over from there. Insane. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of cool that they let that go on, I guess, but it was just like, and he, the fight itself, man, he just had nothing to offer. Yeah. I mean, he just looked slow. He looked yeah. like he didn't ha- carry the power. The jiu-jitsu wasn't there, and how could you have it with all the blood? Um, but it was just, it was a rough one. So What about the guy with the foot? The guy with the foot. Did somebody like break their foot or something? I I, I saw something Not, about a guy's like foot was like really swollen. Unless that was one of the first two. Oh, did you not see the first two? It might have been. This was the card. It yeah, because I watched from Levy Valdez up. So, so it, it might have been, been the Rojo and, and oh, Marshall. Okay. okay, yeah. I, I need to go back and watch that one because I've seen a lot of people like, I guess the, maybe this guy like broke his foot or something was going on and they let mm-hmm. the fight go on. I, mean, I might be not mm-hmm. having oh. all the details there, okay. but then, there was a bit of controversy. And then the other other one was Dawkins got ran through. Dude, I, mean, I that saw was that. Bad. Yeah, I yeah. had read that. Um, Clay Guida beating that Scott Holtzman. Scott Holtzman retired. Retired in the ring. Uh, Michael Johnson and Mark Dicase was really interesting. It was a yeah, close one. Dicase definitely thought he, or Dicase. Yeah, Dicase. Yeah. I can't remember, but he definitely seemed like he thought he was going to win. Well, that. Johnson did a really good job of stuffing those takedowns that he'd been that yeah. Dicase has been getting really good at, and he just outstruck him. Yeah, yeah. To, to me, it could have went either. I could, I could have seen it either way. Um, but no, I thought Johnson did look a little better. Brandon, update us on our scores. All right, John, you actually had the most points last night. Uh-oh. So you should just give yourself a little pat on the back there, buddy. Um, but sure. you're still in last. No, for sure. Yeah. So um, currently, the points are 67. And I have 79, and then Nate, you have 82. Oh boy, we got some picks this week too. I cannot wait, boys. This Saturday, UFC 282, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern start time from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. And before we get to our picks, boys, a little fun fact, this time about Nevada, Mm -hmm. because I'm running out of Las Vegas. (laughs) You know, this mine can only store so much. Boys, did you know... Uh. The longest Morse code telegram sent in history was the Nevada State Constitution. In 1864, the Civil War was ending and Abraham Lincoln was approaching re-election and was scrambling to uh, secure votes from new states to secure his position. At the time, Nevada was experiencing rapid development because of the large gold and silver deposit discovered in the territory. So Lincoln got the idea to make Nevada its own state, which was largely Republican at the time, so it would ensure his re-election. Cheating? You tell me. I don't know. <laughs> Brandon, you're the president guy. Honestly, wasn't really listening to most of that. Uh, I was this is you. I literally notes. did this for you. Oh, I thought it was for the listeners. No, I mean, th- yeah, but like, I felt like this one would be like right up your alley. Oh, for me? Oh, oh, that's just like kind of rude. Sorry, man. Uh, but since it took too long to arrive by mail, Nevada resorted to sending their constitution to Washington via Morris Code because to become a state, they had to have your uh, a physical copy or whatever mm. of your constitution it had to be written. Got turning that album last minute, you know? Right? Yeah, mail. They didn't have time because Lincoln had to be. Uh, had to win his presidency. Imagine how on point you have to be with that. It took seven hours total to in- to enter the entire 175-page document. In total, it cost approximately $60,000 in today's currency. To this day, it is the longest Morse code message ever sent. 
Jeez. Facts, history, it's all here on the Neon Belly mm-hmm, Podcast. Mm-hmm. Brandon doesn't care, even though he says he's a history buff, but whatever. Boys, this Saturday, our main event, number two, Jan Blachowicz versus number three, Magomed Ankalaev for the light heavyweight title. Just a quick reminder of how we got here. Um, this fight was said to be the co-main uh, co- event on this card, but with the original main event being the title rematch, uh, Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prohashka, or Yuri Prohashka, excuse me. However, we learned last week that champ Yuri Prohashka sustained a serious shoulder injury, which will see him out for some significant time, therefore forcing him to vacate the title. Uh, the company did offer Glover Magomed for the title, but Glover said he'd need more time to prepare. Um but would fight Blahovich. UFC basically told him Magomed or bust, so he decided to sit this one out. Uh, we're not going to go into whether we agree with this, disagree. We talked about it last week, so if you didn't listen, you can go check out yeah. last week's we episode. We have a fight, and we're going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and you can you can hear our thoughts on how the whole thing was ha- uh, handled. But we will start out with the former champ, Jan Blahovich, who's coming into this fight off his win over Alexander Rakic back in May, where he won via third-round TKO. But Rakic did go down with a knee injury that forced the stoppage. Important to remember. Remember that um, his opponent, Magomed Ankalaev, comes in with an 18 and 1 record. And since losing his UFC debut to Paul Craig, has rattled off nine straight wins, most recently beating Anthony Smith via second round TKO. Um, and regardless of your personal opinions surrounding this fight, both men definitely deserve a title shot here. Mm-hmm. And Saturday, we will have a new champ. John, your pick for this fight. Man, I, it's hard not to to see what Magomed has done because even in his loss, it was a, a fight where he was doing well in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, he was winning the whole fight. Right. Craig kind of just caught him at the end of the third. And and Jan is not Paul Craig as far as what he does with his grappling. Mm-hmm. And I just I feel like the way he mixes in his wrestling and how strong he is and his even like his striking has looked even sharper as he's fought more. I just think that he's just going to be a little bit too much for Jan Blahovich. I really like Magomed. I'm going to take Magomed here, third round TKO. I'm going to take Magomed as well. I think uh, I just think he's better. I don't I don't know how to how else to spin that. I think he carry. I think he's just a little more technical, and um, I think he actually this one goes a little late. Um, is this the first five round for Magomed? No. No. He's, he's had, has he gone five though? I don't, I don't know if he's gone five. I think okay. Anthony Smith was a main event. Might have been. Well, okay, I'm gonna go with Magomed. I'll say. Fourth. Yeah, he went five with uh, Santos. That's right. That's yep. right. I'll say fourth round TKO for Uncle Live. Yeah, I'm taking Magomed Uncle Live as well. I um I think we will see what we've seen from him, especially in his last two performances, which is a very disciplined fight where he's going to look uh, to stay on the outside, pick his shots, and try to draw Blachowicz onto the end of one of his big kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to be careful getting stuck in the inside with Jan, though, where Jan's super dangerous um, and really looks to uncork that Polish power. Um and where we saw Tiago Santos actually drop Magomed in their fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I am curious to see if uh, Magomed looks to take Jan down. You know, he does have that background, but we don't really see Magomed utilizing the takedowns as much. Master right. of sport and Samba, just saying. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put it on, the, put it on record now. Uh, yeah, uh, and like I said, definitely has the ability to. And we have seen Jan's last two fights against Glover and even Alexander Rakic, where both guys had success taking him to the ground, specifically mm-hmm. with you know single legs, kind of more snatch singles or off the cage. Um, 
But to do that, he'll have to get in that scary range. Uh, so we'll see. I'll be interested to see if that's part of his game plan. I'm um, not going to lie. This may be one, though, that I think people see as a slow or boring fight, kind of like Brandon mm-hmm. said. I do think it'll go long, but I think it's going to – because it's a, such a high-stakes chess match, and you got to remember, you know, these guys were training for a three-round fight. This is now a five-round fight. Oh, and the light heavyweight title is on the line. So mm-hmm. it changes so much for both guys going into it. Um, but like I said, I will take Magomed. I do like him late. Brandon, you said fourth. You said third. Mm-hmm. Both of you guys went TKO, correct? Right. Oh, will it change your mind if Blahovich has on the purple? Uh, was it? Yeah, the the, the leg wraps yeah, the or leg the ankle wrap. wraps. Yeah. No, I'll then I will take Magomed. Um, I will take him unanimous decision. Let's switch it up. That's a safe, safe one. one. Yeah, we'll take it. Why not? Uh, our co-main event. Who has the co-main? Me. John, take us away. All righty. The self-proclaimed people's main event has been moved to the co-main event with the Yuri injury, where we'll see Patty the Batty Pimblet face off against UFC vet Jared Gordon. Uh, Patty's just five months removed from his recent submission victory over Jordan Levitt in London. This will be his third fight this year as he looks to make it four in a row. His three previous have all been by finish. Jared Gordon has won four of his last five and has faced very tough competition in his career in the form of Charles Oliveira, Grant Dawson, and most recently his victory over Leonardo Santos. And as been the model for Patty, this will be his toughest fight yet as they've kind of can keep going up. It'll provide a chance for him to keep building his hype, whereas Gordon will be looking to play spoiler and capitalize on the opportunity to steal the hype for himself. Yep, and uh, I'll just give you just a quick break so you can <laughs> uh, catch your breath before you get to your pick. I think something I'm really looking to see is how Patty stacks up to Gordon compared to how Grant Dawson matched up with Gordon just a couple fights ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be a good measuring stick for us to see where Patty is. I know Styles make fights, but Dawson was struggling a bit towards the end of that fight uh, with Gordon, um, especially on the feet, um, obviously eventually got Gordon down, was able to submit him. Um, so just something to watch for because I think we obviously just saw how good Dawson was in his last fight with O'Madson. So I'll be interested. This is a real fight for Patty. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think even all I can admit when I was announced, I was kind of like, Bleh. but this is a big step up for him. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be a tougher fight for him, but if nothing else for something for people to look at, I mean, it's a Patty fight, right? So there's always going to be hype around it, but really interested, go back and watch the Dawson Gordon. And then, you know, it's just something to look at, man, because mm-hmm. like I said, we see now where Grant Dawson has kind of elevated himself to. Right. So and Santos, the last opponent for Gordon that he beat by decision is a, you know, a high level grappler. He's a big dude too. A big dude. And I mean, mm-hmm. and Gordon's been in there with the Oliveras and stuff too. So Patty's, yeah. you know, grappling isn't going to probably seem as big as it was for like Jordan Levitt for somebody like Jerry. Jared Gordon. Sure. John, um, give us your pick. I'm going to take I'm actually going to take Jared Gordon in this one. I think he might I think he's seen a lot of really tough competition and he might be able to with Patty having trouble early of, you know, getting hurt and having to rebound, he might be able to put him out. I'm going to take Jared Gordon by second round TKO. Brendan this is tough for me. Um, it's a good fight. It's it, a really good fight. I, it's a winnable fight for Patty. I think that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. I think he's got the submission edge here. But um, like we said, Gordon's got some experience that I think will be he'll be definitely carrying into this that should help. Um, I feel like Patty's going to pull this one out again. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets ran through because I think that's going to come. That's coming for Patty. But maybe not this one. So I'll give Patty this one. I'll say second round submission. 
I'm going Patty here as well. Um, I definitely think this is a winnable fight for him. I think he has all the tools to beat Jared Gordon, um, but he has to be careful uh, because Gordon is definitely a step up in competition, as John mentioned. Um, Gordon is a Donaher Brown belt, um, and though Patty just passed the grappler test in that last fight with uh, Jordan Levitt, uh, Gordon is a much better striker <laughs> than Jordan Levitt, mm -hmm. and I think uh, he's going to look to come out, get Patty moving backwards, try to kind of bully him around. And, you know, we've seen Patty get in trouble when guys are really pressed pressuring him and just kind of making making it a bit of a firefight, a kind of a wild fight. Like we've seen him caught in some big exchanges. Um, but ultimately, I do just think Patty's a little better everywhere for me for this fight. Um, but I also think he needs to get it done early. If this fight is close going into a third round, it could be trouble for Patty. That probably mm -hmm. isn't a great thing for him, especially if it's close. Like if we're looking at a 1-1, one, one, going into that round, that's, that's going to favor Jared Gordon in my opinion. But I don't think it gets there. So give me Patty Pimblett second round. What'd you say? I said second submission. Dang it. That's what I was going to yeah. do. Uh, then give me second round. You know what? Patty said he's going to knock him out in the first. That's his prediction. So <laughs> give me Patty Pimblett first round knockout. I think it's a bit sweet because Jared Gordon is tough and he is legit. So mm -hmm. um, I really do. Like I said, when this fight was announced, I was a bit like, eh, but really getting into it, seeing more of Jared, Jared Gordon, I, I, I do think this is a a really good step up mm -hmm. in competition. So, uh, Brandon, our final preview fight. Get a setup. In a fight, too, let me mention. This probably should have been the co-main co event, but I totally <laughs> understand the selling tickets. the Patty thing. But I do want to also, real quick, before we fully move on from Gordon and Patty, is I, I'm all for both of these guys getting into a co-main event spot on a pay-per-view. Uh, both of these guys, mental health advocates, and then even Jared Gordon with his um, drug recovery stuff. Mm -hmm. And he has like a podcast that he does where um, he speaks out about a lot of that stuff and, and really uh, tries to help people with recovery, him being a recovering um, addict himself. Um, so love that Patty and Gordon are getting... Platform. Yeah, they both deserve a platform like this. And I'll never... like Sign me up for guys like that getting microphones and, and big moments. So I'm good with it. But yeah, in terms of like the fight though, this probably could have been the main event. But it kicks off the pay-per-view, and it's going to be a fun way to kick it off. So, Brandon, let us know. All right. So, like you said, to kick off this main card, we're going to have a fantastic matchup at the 145-pound division. We have the number nine, Thug Nasty, Bryce Mitchell, who is 15-0. He is 6-0 in the UFC. He's got six submissions on his record. I'm sorry. He's got nine submissions on his record with six decisions. Um, he's only got one finish inside the UFC cage, though, and that was the uh, submission winner for Matt Sale. He's taking on the number 14, Iliar Tapuria. Tapuria? And he is 12-0, and 0, so both these guys are undefeated. Tapuria, Ilya, it's Tapupi. Ilya Tapuria has, has four knockouts and seven submissions. Um, his most recent win came as that first-round knockout over Ryan Hall, which was sort of a big one because yeah. at the time, Ryan, you know, no one had really touched him, and that was looking pretty good there. So this should be a pretty fun matchup between two guys who are very well-versed on the ground. But um, I think in this one, we'll expect to see Ilya have the edge in the striking. Um, Bryce Mitchell, not really known to be a mm -hmm. knockout guy, um, but had a really good time with the wrestling against Edson Barbosa in his last fight. Bryce also has a notable win over um, Andre Feely, so this should be a really fun one. Um, I thought it was interesting to know a couple things. Um, Ilya has had some weight issues in the past, so be on the lookout for that. And then Bryce really wasn't making much of uh, what this fight means for him. Like he was saying, you know, I, I just finished off Edson Barbosa, sure. and uh, nobody really cared. I don't think anybody's going to care about this one either. So I would expect Bryce to come into this one to look to make a big statement to show that people need to notice where he's at in the division and what he can do. 
All right. Well, for this one, I do think it's interesting with Ilya going up and down in weight, mm-hmm. you know, going 45, 55, now going back down to 45. Hopefully he makes that, obviously. But for Bryce Mitchell, man, I just feel like the proof is in the pudding and what he's done. Um, and the people he's beat and the way he's beating them, I just don't know exactly where Ilya is able because I don't know if he's going to be able to get off strikes. And I don't know if he's going to be able to deal with Bryce Mitchell's wrestling because nobody's really dealt with it very well yet. So in this fight, I'm going to take Bryce Mitchell by unanimous decision because I do think Teporia is very, very tough. But I do think Bryce Mitchell has all the tools he's going to need as he keeps moving up in the division. So Bryce, like I said, only has the one finish. Um, I actually think I'm going to take Ilya here. I think uh, he can win this on the feet. I think he has a slight edge there if he can. And even if he goes to the ground, I believe he's either brown or black. He's got some some credentials Shapira, on the ground. Yeah. Black belt. Black belt. So he's got some credentials on the ground as well. Um, so I think he can actually hang with, with Bryce. But um, I guess that's to be seen. So I'm, I'm going to take Ilya. I'll say I don't think he finishes him. So I'll say unanimous decision. Dang it. I love this fight, and I know Bryce is um, a little frustrated fighting down, as Branson, Brandon min, uh, mentioned, uh, but he has to be aware that this is his toughest and most dangerous yeah. fight yet in the UFC, in my opinion. Um, Ilya not just undefeated, but extremely well-rounded. Started off, as Brandon mentioned, submitting guys, but as of late, we've been seeing him knock guys' freaking blocks off. Uh, Bryce is defensively sound with his stand-up. His takedowns, I think, as John mentioned, are elite. Um, And when your submissions are your A-game, that's essential. That's what you want to see from a guy like Bryce Mitchell. Um, And while the lonely heart in me would love to take Bryce Mitchell here in this fight, I am also going Ilya Topura. um, And I just think it comes down to more ways to win for me going into this fight. Um, Ilya touches guys and they just crumble. I mean, that's just period. And we just saw, you know, against the Barbosa, you know, uh, Bryce ate a big punch from Barbosa that put him on his butt. But I just feel like if Tapira and Tapira, to be fair, got dropped in his last fight too. But man, it's just so different with a guy like Ilya. Um, and he has great takedown defense, great takedowns offense first mm-hmm. off. Um, but also he has never been taken down in the UFC, John. So you're wondering, you know, maybe how he wonders hundred percent takedown defense for Ilya Tapira in the UFC so far. I do think Bryce can take him down and may take him down, but it's not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's never faced a guy like Bryce. And like I said, I think Bryce's takedowns are elite. Bryce Mitchell has a 75% strike accuracy. Yeah, but Bryce doesn't have good takedown defense either. Uh, His is pretty low, and Ilya, like Brandon mentioned, has a really great wrestling pedigree himself. Um, So, uh, Tapira also, great cardio, great chin, and I just think he's going to have to use every bit of that to beat Thug Nasty, but I do think he can. Um, I do think it'll be a close, fun one. Fight of the night candidate for me here, Mm -hmm. right in the main, uh, kicking off the main card, but give me Ilya Tapira. What'd you say, Brandon, again? Decision. Okay, Damn. I'll take. You know what? I'm gonna take second round KO. I think. Ooh. Yeah, I think it's. Um, Bryce is definitely a better rapper, though. <laughs> I'll sure. give him you that. Give him I give him that. I believe in the Georgians. That's what I. Uh, boys, we are gonna make one point picks um, for this card. So real quick, boys, I need picks. One, just the winner, Robbie Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Robbie Lawler is two and six in his last eight. Boys, uh, coming in off his second round TKO loss, loss to Brian Barberina, Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio, excuse me, since making his return to MMA in 2021 after a two-year layoff is just one and three in his last four, coming in off a split decision loss to Michelle Pajeda. John, what is your pick, Robbie Lawler or Santiago Ponzinibbio? Give me Ponzinibbio. I think Robbie Lawler's on his way out. Yeah, man, the lonely heart of me wants to pick Robbie Lawler, <laughs> but uh, 
I'll take Pons and Nibio as well. I'm taking Pons and Nibio as well. I just he's a 400 and, and, point favorite, too. and I feel like he's gotten really unlucky in some of these split decision losses too, where it kind of mm-hmm. could have went either way. Um, and I just think he's just a bit on a different level. And yeah, like John said, unfortunately, just have not seen the best Robbie Lawler as of late. Bryce Mitchell's the dog against uh, Elia, by the way. Just to plus throw that one, out really, there. he's yeah. plus one thirty. I just think too, like going back to that fight, like. And, like, you know, John, you kind of teased it a little bit with him or one of you guys with him going back and forth and wait. This is just going to set up him and Patty perfect. I mean, it, like, it just almost, like, writes itself, right? I mean, these guys, the whole hand sanitizer stuff. Or <laughs> I what forgot is, about what is, that. What, is Patty, what does Patty call him? I can't uh, remember what it was. Sanitizer boy or yeah. something. I don't know. Darn it. Yeah, I'm hearing that they're, like, already, like, like trying to keep those guys like they're like setting up exit routes for both of those guys to not see each other all week fight week so oh, man. it kind of writes itself i really it'd be interesting to see that uh the last one point pick boys i am probably i mean tapira mitchell gets my interest really high but this one i'm just interested because of the stakes of it or one part of it and that is darren till versus drikas duplacis uh boys darren till is returning from injury and hasn't fought since his third round submission loss to Derek brunson in september of 2021 till is just one in four in his last five uh he's making a very tough return here against drikas duplacis who is currently on a five fight win streak and is fresh off his unanimous decision win over brad tavares back in uh, july John, what is your pick? I'm going with Till, man. I'm going to write it Oh, out. my God. Yeah. I love it. Because no, here's I a, love but here's it. the thing. God, Till, Till only, has only lost to the top guys. Okay. I like it. And if he comes back to form, if he comes back to form you know, when he was at his top, that's a tough guy to deal with. And he's been training with some dogs. Love he's been it. training with Hamzad every day. Like, I love the balls a, from John. Nothing to lose, by the way, for John. Let's so go. Why not? <laughs> can't, probably can't win at this point. I'm swinging, so, hey, I'm no. swinging at the moon, yeah. man. Let's um, go. I'm going to take Duplices here. I don't. I just. I love Till, man. I want him to yeah, win, but I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to come in healthy. And if he does, man, I just think he's that one. Guy, the one that just wasn't quite what we thought. Um, so yeah, I'll take Duplices. Yeah, Till is the lonely hard boy pick for sure. Love Darren Till. Would love to see him get uh, get a win, and I hope I'm wrong, but I am taking Drikas Duplices. I just think over these five fights, what we've seen, John, in all fairness, I agree he has only lost to elite guys, but I think we're seeing Duplices enter into a category where he's going to be, I think he's worthy of competing at the top of this 185-pound division. Um, I don't want to use the word elite or best or top, but I mean, I do think he's entering that, and it's just a tough fight for a guy in Darren Till who hasn't fought in a while and has been battling injuries, Brandon kind of a alluded to there so um that's all that we're going to pick for john do you want to make a pick for chris Dawkins versus josinho rosenstroik by chance or or anything you want to add about chris Dawkins? he's got to avenge his brother yeah Uh, he might who knows this guy but this i don't even remember like how this chris Dawkins stuff started it was something (laughs) in john in the news is like oh every week in other news uh chris Dawkins. well the thing about uh, it is like when you're putting together the news you're just looking for names that people recognize yeah but it was like chris dark Dawkins got a yorkie the other day and he's thinking he's thinking about naming it ufc if if mma junkies (laughs) is reporting on it then we're not above (laughs) that Mm. we're sitting here like right at the end john's it's hard with the Chris Dawkins news. These prelims and early straight. prelims could be a fight night. Yeah, a couple of uh, Joaquin Buckley versus Chris Curtis. That's oh, come one. on, sign me up. Shabazian and um, how do you say his Ugh. last name? Lou Gambula, I believe. He's looked really good. That Rosas Jr. is going to be making his um, UFC debut mm-hmm. um, against Perrin. Oh, yeah, the 17 year old guy. Billy Q and Alex Hernandez. Yeah, Billy Q. Uh, OSP's on this. Like, they got. 
It's full. Yeah. There it is. Can't wait. This Saturday, John, let's get to the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. News. All right, fellas. We got only a couple things, but we got to talk about the biggest elephant in the room in MMA currently. As James Krause's situation gets deeper and deeper. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Campbell has made a statement f- for the UFC saying some interesting tidbits that I thought were insightful. He restated that the new policy that was announced October 17th, saying the UFC athletes are prohibited from placing wagers on any matches, including their own. Those same prohibitions are against um, wagering applies also to the athletes, coaches, managers, handlers, athletic trainers, and other individuals affiliated with the athlete or the UFC. Um, saying the announcement was an extension and update to the fighter code of conduct to retain to retain the integrity of the sport in terms of insider betting based on non-public information and fight fixing. Pushing that forward to November 18th, the Nevada Athletic Commission informed Krause that his license was suspended until an inv- investigation was conducted on the allegation stemming from an influx of last-minute bets against his fighter, Derek Minner. The UFC has advised Krause and the managers of the working with the fighters under him that continuing to be coached by him or training at his gym will per- not permit them to participate in UFC events. UFC also releasing Derek Minner. Further backlash came to this in form of the Commission of Alberta and Ontario, Canada, banning betting from UFC fights and the New Jersey Commission holding all bets for fights and fighters involved with James Krause. Good job breaking all that down. That was a lot. Um, yeah, dude, th- that's why when this all started coming out, I told you guys from the beginning, I'm fascinated because this is this you just had that vibe. This was going to get big. Um, and like one thing with the the Canada stuff is and I, I think it was Hawani and, and Chuck Mendenhall, I think was who was talking about it. And they it was such a good point is the UFC's biggest sponsor right now is a gambling company. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a nine figure deal or something crazy. Um, so these countries, a big providence like Canada saying like UFC's out, like we're not taking bets. Like that's huge, man. Right. And that could have really big implications for the UFC and, and, and their corporation. And then the Dana White stuff, um, the interview that he did the other, was it before the Orlando card? Yeah. And I got quotes for that. If you want, if you yeah, want to just kind of, of a couple real quick. Um, he basically said there's zero proof that anybody did anything wrong. He said, you're not going to be able to make enough money to make it worth the risk. He said, nobody took action on the fight. They just saw the action was trying to come in and they shut it down. He said, hopefully you see how easy it is for them to detect now and the risk isn't worth it. He said, stuff like this happens in sports all the time in terms of numbers moving. But he says, it's not a big deal and said that these casinos wouldn't take these bets unless you were like a high roller or something. But he seems to be brushing it off. I didn't quite understand it. It kind of seemed a little like he was, I mean, I don't, I guess what I'm saying is my confusion and it's just I don't understand a lot of this stuff, though, is I don't see how you can ban a guy from your organization and his fighters to go as far. And like one of the like we talked about yesterday, as far as high profiles, Brandon Moreno is a James Krause mm-hmm. fighter. Um, and then at the same time, say, but nothing, nothing was illegal. Like we didn't find anything. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody did anything wrong. Well, it's like you can't say nobody did anything wrong and then remove his license and stuff. And I don't know if you have like the Scott Coker stuff. As yeah, well. Scott Coker came out and supported the UFC and their actions um, with the commission, basically saying that they're going to keep on um, 
sticking up with the rules and anything yeah. that they want to implement on their end um, just to keep the integrity of the sport together. And did they kind of ban Kraus and his fighters as well? Yeah, they talked about that that being a possibility. And then you also yeah. had, um, you know, there was some, some mixed reaction because Brandon Moreno posted a picture with Kraus right. with the caption saying, waiting for justice. And there was multiple fighters on there who were supporting you know, James Krause in this situation. Right. Mm. And the reason I brought up some of the quote is I thought it's kind of crazy because four months ago, you know, Krause was on or th three or four months ago, Krause is on Hawani mm -hmm. basically breaking down how he's doing all this and how he makes so much money off betting yeah. and, and telling all that. And then for them to say now, nobody who's a coach, a trainer, anybody who even knows somebody can't bet on it. It seems like they're really trying to do some background cover work for yeah. what they've probably been allowing to happen for a long time now. Yeah. The problem is when there's smoke, there's fire. And this thing is like full blazing at this point. So I don't, I mean, it's hard to, you know, it's all just speculation now until whatever the, Mm -hmm. the results of the investigation are but so is that part of the reason too that when we talk about you know like you mentioned how if it's not that big a deal why is he no longer licensed and that kind right. of thing is that just more of one of those like you know pending an investigation he could be reinstated like we just have to like yeah cut I, everything I, until I we know because that's what the commissions are basically saying until a government right. a government you know look into all this goes through then they have to suspend him but yeah. i think if you're dana white it's probably because he knows he has so many fighters tied to him yeah that he kind of has to play a certain way because what happens if brandon moreno says you know what i'm sticking with my coach so take me off of that that pay-per-view yeah. i mean this is guys the, figure it out i feel like this this is on some level the integrity of your entire company mm -hmm. so i feel like it's yeah. okay with cut if it's means that there's no moreno all right but if i can save the ufc's integrity right, right. you know and that's kind of what the whole interview to me seemed like is it was kind of like hey everybody there's nothing to see here mm -hmm. but it's like yeah to me it's like you can't just say there's nothing there because clearly if it's gotten to this point there's been something found and then it's going as far as to cut Derek minner as well which i don't know if that I mean, we, I don't, haven't seen anything. I don't know if that's because he didn't disclose the injury maybe. Mm -hmm. So there's punishment over that. Um, but then again, why hasn't TJ Dillashaw been cut for the whole shoulder thing? Right. So, uh, you know, there's an argument there for that as well. So I just feel like with what we're seeing, not saying that it's definite or final, but like something's at least being investigated that they think there's reason to take it to this level mm -hmm. to me and it, and it becomes interesting too because like i said with that interview with hawani he basically said he bets on every single card yeah. helps other people bet so the ufc has been allowing this for x yeah. amount of time well, so he's got like a patreon that's what he does right. people pay for his bets so they'll have to do some like back covering of like oh we've well we let it down but now there's no more yeah. of this like them updating the fighter code of conduct obviously that wasn't the code yeah you know when he was doing these interviews before and when people have been i mean he's not the only one because what happens with fighter picks right right fighter they a lot of these journalists get fighters picks for fights who's to say that people aren't using those to make their bets right and that falls under that same code didn't cross has he said anything i haven't, I seen, haven't a seen a statement, statement no. no yeah just more support from his fighters and mm -hmm. some other people i just hate like as such a big usc fan, i hate the in mma in general i the idea of fixed fights is so infuriating yeah, to I me know. Um, and it's like one of those things too. Uh, it's almost like a knock on boxing, but like mm -hmm. in MMA, it's never really been the case unless you pride was a little different, but, um, it's very well documented. For so that, that's for just, sure. I don't know. I just don't like it. No, I agree. I mean, and we've never really dealt with it at least as knowing or like, um, it's something that's made had been made this public. Like, like I said, a couple weeks ago, it's not to say that nobody's ever done it or right. it's never been a part of it. We'd probably be naive to think that it has never happened. Sure, sure. But at the same time, it's like it also has never just been thrown in our face with like 
what seems to be some pretty legitimate proof that something, mm-hmm. <laughs> something somewhere got out or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, man, we'll keep monitoring it. That yeah. just was, was kind of a, like I said, it was kind of a big development in the whole thing. And, you know, even, you know, to go as far as like Scott Coker kind of s- supporting the UFC and their decisions and, and, but then some of these countries or even states that are pulling MMA bets, man, that's, yeah. that's not good for the UFC. Well, and that's why you have to, the UFC and Bellator have to fall in line, even yeah. if they don't feel like it's, it's a, something that's worthy of that because right. you can't, you're losing way too much money if you lose out yeah. on all this stuff. Not only in the terms of, you know, like the betting side and their, you know, sponsors or whatever, yeah. but with these fighters, because, you know, and the backlash of this goes deeper onto them because now Moreno has to find a new camp or a new coach, right. go to a new gym, and he's got a, a title fight coming up in sure. some months. Last, so. last thing on me with this for me, um, but it makes you really think about Habib too on his stance on it and just like mm-hmm. absolutely refusing. It's to a good point, man. It, so it is a good point. I mean, I've always kind of thought like we've never been approached by like a gambling thing to like promote our podcast or something but i've even kind of thought for us like if you ever do get to that point it's like man that'd be it's not just something because there's just like stupid money in it like Mm -hmm. habib could probably send his third fourth generation grandkids would be set through gambling money if he wanted to take those sponsorships but Mm -hmm. it's like really get into some dicey stuff too right like you got to really think about if that's something a road that you want to go down so i like it i like we'll see what happens i mean i don't like it but it's interesting (laughs) it's interesting yeah yeah the ufc hasn't had something shake them up this much ever i I feel like so it's big this will be a big turning point for them uh the last couple things i got for you guys is nate diaz officially is a free agent after the ufc was granted a three-month exclusive window to negotiate with him Diaz rep was saying that the door isn't closed on a potential UFC return, especially with the return of Conor McGregor and the prospect of that trilogy fight. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, he's talked about wanting to box, jujitsu. I mean, he can go anywhere he wants to go. He can go. It's, yeah. it's going to kind of be a blank check. I feel like, yeah, it seems like, um, yeah, it seems like the, they did negotiate and it sounds like, yeah, it went, it went okay, but they just, there was nothing. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was bad terms at all. It was probably just like, Hey, yeah. I'm going to go do this. If this opens up, I'll come back for it. Yeah, I think the Jake Paul thing has to happen and it makes, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it would be fun and, you know, let him do that and then, you know, see where it lines up with Connor's timeline to, to maybe make that return because nothing will be bigger than an ADS return to the UFC. Don't care how old he is. You know, the, I mean, you don't want to do it when he's like <laughs> 10 years from now, but I'm just saying like if it happens in the next year or two, it'll be, it'll be massive for him. It'll be massive for the UFC. It'll generate money. And then if it's against a guy like Connor, I mean, right. It just sells itself. Well, and what, what's interesting with this is what comes from this. When you talk about like Francis wanting to yeah. stay away from his contract, go box and then come back. And yeah. some of these other guys who want to do things, Yeah, that return fight will be huge. And so it probably both sides agreed that like, Hey, you know, much respect, but mutually it just makes more sense for, you to go grow your brand, your name, and then come back when it's bigger than ever, hotter than ever, and we'll throw you back in there. And it'll, it'll right. work for both sides. And you beat Jake Paul, and then you, you know, even if you do something else, even if you don't do anything else, and that's yeah. all you do is you, you know, you beat right. Jake Paul in a boxing match. Now there's so many more eyes on top of the eyes that were already on. You. I don't even think he has to beat him. I mean, I think yeah. you can just go box him, and then you come back to the UFC and like 
four or six months after that, like I said, you know, just get it while the iron's hot type mm-hmm. thing. It'll be huge. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity there. And the last thing I wanted to hit you guys with is Aljamain Sterling announcing that he's going to be fighting Henry Cejudo next. They're targeting March and that's the fight that's going to happen, which is interesting coming off the comments of Sean O'Malley saying guaranteed my next fight is a title fight. Yeah. So now we're getting interesting is, is Sean O'Malley going to wait out? Maybe yeah. an interim? Some, well, they're definitely contradicting each other. Yeah. Cause yeah, I don't know. No, I won't be an interim. No, because Cejudo's fighting for that. He wants the belt from Sterling. Mm. Yeah, so Sterling so Sterling said Cejudo's his next fight, but O'Malley said a couple weeks ago, for sure his next fight is Sterling. So maybe he's playing on... I mean, if that's the case, he's going to have to sit out and wait, but yeah. I don't know. Well, and, and I was saying, you know, is this the UFC maybe protecting O'Malley of like, hey, let these guys fight. You need to work on your wrestling anyways because whoever wins this, if you're fighting that guy, you better have some wrestling ready. I don't, because think, I don't think any amount of time between now and then no. is going to change his ability to wrestle with either of those two. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting. You know, there there was... you know. Dana was all, you know, so Hudo's not just going to be able to jump back yeah. in and get what he wants. And then now we're sitting here seeing this. I think Ali had been the first person to say it was happening. Yeah. Well, they did that weird, awkward face-off at some yeah. MMA event. And then now Aljamain is basically saying, yes, this is the next fight is happening. But nothing's in ink yet. Sure. They're targeting March, but that's what's, what he's trying to put together. So maybe it's Aljamain and Henry Cejudo trying to overdo what the UFC wants to do with Sean O'Malley. Did you see the Tyson Fury fight last night? Oh, jeez, man. It was so sad, man. Mm-hmm. There's Who no, was that guy that he beat? Uh, Scher- I can't remember. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, but this is his third time fighting him, and he's already beat him oh, twice. It was so bad, man. Like, it just was naughty. Like, he literally, like, I'm just like, for th- four or five rounds, like, they've got to stop this fight, yeah. man. Finally, I mean, they did, but it's just like. Did you watch the whole fight? Um, No, I watched it on most of it on the way down to Indy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I watched the highlights of it, but. Yeah, it's for him. It's a situation where, like, if you're not fighting the top three guys, like, yeah. a, uh, you know, Joshua or Ruiz or, or somebody like that. I'll tell you what, his body is unique. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's his, got some love handles. His shape and build, but yeah, but then like his torso and legs are like super. Not, yeah, yeah. Dude, when they talk about giants back in the day, he's probably <laughs> yeah. from that. Where it's just like this weird, awkward build. And I can uh, imagine fighting like little five five guys, man. Yeah. He would, he would well, have been a monster. Well, then with that, that waistliner and protector, it just bulges it out even more. So he just looks he looks like a created fighter. It's kind of right. funny. That's it, boys. Uh, song of the week goes to me, and I'm going Hall and Oates. You make my dreams. Nice. You make my dreams come. Ooh, ooh. What? That's your pick? Yeah. Wow. I think it's interesting some of the things he rags on you, and then he throws these out there. Just a little, I didn't say little, Sarah smile. A little sus. If I said like John would have picked Hall and Oates, Sarah smile, that would like it, which it, is a better song. I'm not. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I would say I would say it's a much better song. But hey, I've told John if you want to find a mixed martial artist that has walked out to One Wish by Ray J, or get one to do it, I'll pass it. I mean. One of the God fighters might be walking out to Hey, his if you can make it happen, throw him a little tenor. I'll recount. Next thing you know, <laughs> he's coming I'll, out. I will recount. It's a good like cleaning montage song, mm. like in movies. Like that's <laughs> you're cleaning out the garage and everybody's helping you pull stuff hey, out. Hey, you know what? You might be tied to Avasa walking out to Cheryl Crow like a bird. <laughs> that was, not, I'm just that saying, was hilarious. He, his whole his whole walkout playlist is <laughs> questionable. I love it. I love it. Uh, John, what is your one for the people? Uh, my one for the people is actually a show I think uh, you guys might in, be interested in. I think it's funny. It's called Abbott Elementary, and it's about kids in elementary school in um, Philly. But it's a comedy. Kids are always hilarious to me. It's written really well. Just nice. Um, suggest that. Mine is, I finally went and saw Black Panther 2. Um, mm-hmm. 
give it give it an eight. It was good. It was a good movie. But man, I feel like I'm reaching a point with Marvel where I it's like it started with Iron Man and it almost ended with Endgame for me. Like mm-hmm. I, the investment's just not there for me. Like this was a good movie. There yeah. really wasn't a whole lot wrong with it. But I'm just kind of reaching a point where it's really hard for me to get up and like antsy for for Marvel movies and like what's to come. So it's it kind of tough sad. for them to pivot off of Chadwick dying. Yeah, too. and again, like great movie. It's nothing. It's not really even so much a knock against the movie itself. It's just where the franchise is at. It's just really hard for me to get. It's invested. hard. To, it's hard to carry over interest for as yeah. long as they've been going. It happened yeah. with me with Star Wars. I mean, mm-hmm. it just it just came too much in the last like decade. Like I yeah. don't I don't need a new movie and a new series. Like that's a part of it. Right? Like I'm really bummed I don't get Game of Thrones now for like two years, but that's a part of it. Mm-hmm. Like it makes it count a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where I was like with Marvel too. It's just like, gosh, dude. So I gotta watch this series and then it ties into this series. Yeah. And I and then if I miss this series, this part's not gonna make like it's just too much. Yeah. Too much. And that's same thing with Star Wars. It's just mm-hmm. like just too much, man. Um, I got a lot, man. I, I could go a lot, but I can't really think. I'm really tired. So <laughs> I, I should have wrote it down probably. Um, the Dave's hot chicken that I mentioned yeah. at the beginning. Holy cow. So that's an indie. Yeah. And there is, we went to the one downtown, but I think there's one in, um, what level he Castleton. I went medium, but the brine on that chicken was mm-hmm. the best I've ever had. I mean, it was just juicy. Um, like a pickle brine? Oh, I don't know what they do. I don't know. It was just so good. Um, was so the medium that. hot for you? No. No, it yeah. wasn't bad. I, I probably wouldn't want to go much more. <laughs> I will say that. Because <laughs> as soon as you said hot chicken, I just got a flashback of when we had you eat those blazing ones in here. And this yeah. dude tried just like a lick of one. And he was just. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brandon, Brandon You're would, over there just eating listen, three of yeah, them. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not low. Brandon would die off the medium. Oof. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess just, just stick with us at the end of the year here. Uh, la- this is our second year doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, this time of the year, in which I think it's just the Christmas month, our like downloads just dropped mm-hmm. off the face. It picked back up as the year got going, but uh, stick with us. We have some really cool things that we're going to do at the end of the year. Um, the, some like We're going to do some pre-recorded episodes and stuff, so don't plan on missing a week. Um, towards the end into the beginning of next year you know because obviously our last card i think is december 17th mm-hmm. um and then uh january third i think is it the third is it the first i thought it was maybe the second week but there's going to be a nice little gap in there um but we're going to have our after the 17th we will have our um our yearly award show that mm-hmm. we're going to do where we'll do brandon's going to wear a suit fighter of the year Two-piece. female fighter of the year Knockout of the year, submission of the year, newcomer of the year. I don't remember all the categories. I think we're going to add some too. Oh yeah, how many did we have last year? I think we had like a good seven or eight. I don't know. Yeah, we were we talked about adding, so we'll we'll look at that. But that'll be so we'll have that, and then we're also going to do. I think we're going to do an episode where it's going to be the MMA Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Um, I might bring see if Jacob wants to come challenge you turds because. You guys have just been bad at games lately. I mean, you've only played like three games. <laughs> yeah, he, so yeah, that's what fair. he does. He doesn't play games. Okay, and he just so gives let's talk us. about why I don't play a game because who comes up with the games? You can Not still play the them. You guys could always say like, hey, man, I got this game. I've done it. I've, yeah, we both come up with games. I've got this game. Um, I'm going to do you versus John. Bring it on. Right. But then when we tip, like when we flipped it back, like what were you fifty percent for the? Oh the my nickname? gosh! Yeah, this dude, <laughs> this dude, freaking uh, Gina look, Carano. Look that, yeah, like look, what look was at, the steroids guy that barely look, fought? Jeff Monson. Or yeah, whatever. Jeff yeah. Monson. Like, come on. <laughs> 
Yeah. What but, was the but level he's gonna of give those us, pigs? But he's going to give us all these digs, so it's all right. Yeah, what's it's the okay. level of those pigs? Who, like, Gina Carano, did she fight like five like, or six okay. times? She's I mean, like, she was like the staple in women's MMA. She was okay. like one of the first. Cool. This is his favorite female fighter. The fat Samoan guy at UFC 1 was one of the first. Mm. Tell me his name. I couldn't even tell. Like, who cares if she was the first female? Oh, that chemo, dude. Or chemo. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, who cares? Nobody does. I mean, I respect what she's done for the sport, but come on, Brandon. Uh, and then the steroid. Yeah, the Jeff Monson guy. Like, what? Listen, that was on the fly. Hey, I told you. Same, and we can go back and play it. I said, bring some better ones next week. Some actual mm. UFC fighters that I've seen fight. Did you do it? Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. I did not do it. I didn't follow up. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Peace. Bye.